Welcome to the Cinema Rack, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent narcissist actors, directors, and producers. Here, we'll laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does, and they've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory. And this is May. And welcome back to another episode of The Cinema Rag. We hope you're doing well today on this Wednesday. Today we're starting a two-part series, essentially titled Movies That Everybody Loves That Were Commercial Successes That We Don't Understand Why They Were Successful. So we've done a two-part series on, on overrated Best Picture winners. And so we thought we'd do a series on kind of like The Emperor Has No Clothes. These movies are typically regarded as being very popular by people. And these are just movies where either because of our age or maybe because of our cinema tastes, we just don't get it. And we're like, WTF, why do people like these movies? Now, we're going to be doing the last 50 years. And May and I, as usual, do not know each other's answers. We think we lead to good conversation, spontaneity. And also we're eliminating all the Marvel movies because those movies are insanely successful and we both agree that they're pretty much utter garbage as a whole, as a whole. And so we're just eliminating all the Marvel movies from this consideration. May, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. All right, so we're not including Marvel. I'm assuming a lot of the, the big IP stuff's not gonna be on here, like Transformers and stuff like that. But you go ahead and you give us your number 10. Okay, well, I kind of have a, I have a tie for number 10. That's and fine. This is, uh, these are two movies that are very commercially successful. They've also been uh, recognized by Oscar. And, you know, one of these films is IMDb's all-time best film, actually. Okay. And I, it's not that I hate these films. I actually really like these films but they're just getting too much exposure and overexposure and so the first one is the green mile all right and the second one is shawshank redemption Ooh, hot take on that second one okay so we're doing yeah i I hated to put shawshank redemption as overrated but i was looking at other looking through other uh, articles online and i was seeing all sorts of movies that that were being put on the overrated list. And I didn't necessarily agree with those. This is your number 10. So you have two for number 10. So give us your explanation as to uh, Green Mile. Everybody loves this movie. Why didn't you like this movie? Or why do you think it's uh, Emperor Has No Clothes? Well, I I, I don't know. I I think it's it's just, it's almost a little too, too much as far as the fantasy component goes. And then they're trying to mix in the the reality as well. And I don't think it really meshes quite the way it should. Um, But, you know, I I do like the acting, um, except isn't Tom Hanks in this movie? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Yeah. I do not like Tom Hanks. But, of course, I like like the other other actors. Michael Clark Duncan, may he rest in peace. Yeah, Michael Clark Duncan. And same with Shawshank. I love Morgan Freeman. I, I liked Tim Robbins a lot. Uh, but I just think that it's almost become so popular. Over well, why time. don't you like this movie? I do like this movie a lot. But it's become so popular over time 
that it's going to really implode somehow in the next five or ten years and some other movie is going to is going to take its step as far as um imdb because it is the top film of all time on imdb right now i mean look, I believe, it's sometimes you know, since i've seen shawshank i remember when it came out we were in college frank darabalt's classic work tim robbins morgan freeman and it's been you know lampooned and kind of made fun of and it's always been considered iconic movie I really can't comment on it because it's been at least a decade since I've seen it. But overall, I mean, I think it's it's considered a good movie. It's uplifting at the end and so forth. So this might be one of those series where you and I have a different definition of the movies that we're going to give. Because the movies I'm picking are movies that I just think are really bad. Where you're picking movies that people love, but you still like, but you just think are overinflated. Yeah, I do. I think it's just too much. Okay. All right. Yeah. My number 10 is The Big Lebowski. This is a movie that uh, is very big among like the pot smoking slacker community because Jeff Bridges plays the 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 titular slacker. Have you seen this movie? Yes, I have. Okay. It is Coen Brothers, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't it early Coen Brothers? I could be wrong, but it's kind of like early to mid. Yeah. Yeah. But it is Coen Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. So, I think I, I I rewatched this movie like a year ago. I did not laugh one time. I think Steve Buscemi is funny, you know, kind of, you know, typical Buscemi. I think the jokes fall flat and the movie is just ridiculously stupid. And it's considered an iconic comedy of the 90s. And I just think it's it's ridiculously stupid and overrated. I, I, I agree with you on this. It almost kind of made my list. Um, I think Jeff Bridges is... It's considered one of his top roles ever. So, um, so I don't know what else to say about that. Um, just that it does have a huge following, just like the Coen Brothers. They've, you know, they're they're weird, quirky kind of films. Um, but yeah, I don't. I didn't really laugh much either. I didn't get the joke or the punchline. So, all right, who's your number nine? Well, this goes by way back to 1970. It's called Love Story. Yes. Uh, there, there, what's the famous line? There's no reason to apologize when you... Yeah, something like that. Um, with Allie McGraw, who's a terrible actress. And <laughs> she really is in this film. And Ryan O'Neill. And she pretty much dies of a blood disease or leukemia at the towards the beginning of the film, actually. Um, or maybe at the middle of the film, or maybe actually it is the end because then there's a stupid sequel called Oliver's Story where he finds another woman to love and that has Candace Bergen in it. But anyways, um, yeah, I, Love Story is just totally overrated by everybody who loves it. Um, I just don't agree that it's the ultimate romance, so... I have not seen this movie because of, and this is from what 1970. So you know how I don't watch a lot of movies from this time. The the, mm-hmm. the, the line from this is "Love means never having to say you're sorry." Oh, yeah. I remember Ellie McGraw just being very beautiful, and um, yeah. I, I don't have I don't have a take on this. I don't have a take on this movie. So who's very beautiful? You said Ellie McGraw. She is, but she's not a good actress. She's just really bad. That's not her. Well, well, you know, her job is to be pretty, and you know, if these actresses can act, well, that's a bonus. Yeah, she can't. 
But okay. anyways, your number nine. My number nine's gonna be a hot take. I used to love this movie and now I just think it's so overrated. And this is super bad. Now, this is a very mm -hmm. hot take because super bad is considered one of the best comedies of the last of this millennia, this century. And of course, this is Jonah Hill and, and Michael Sarah yeah. and, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I watched it like two weeks ago. And this movie made me laugh when I was in my 30s, right? And now I watch it like this movie is so stupid. It's yeah. such a stupid movie. The premise is stupid. And look, Jonah Hill, at the time, we thought he was a revelation because we didn't know subsequent Jonah Hill comedies. But Jonah Hill is essentially doing Jonah Hill, the acerbic fat guy. Michael Sarah is doing what we learned Michael Sarah can only do. He's the same pretty much in every movie. This Juno, Scott Pilgrim. He plays this simpy loser guy. And then Rogan's character. Yeah, I, 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 Go ahead. What was that? No, no. I was just going to say that I don't think it's really overrated, but I, I do still think of it as a cute movie. Um, but yeah, I could see how you're watching it when you're older. It makes it a different experience. With it's a kind lot of, of these we talked about with Tarantino. Yeah. It's like you you reach a certain age and you look back at these movies and, and they're just not humorous. And look, there's it, it, it's a teen R-rated romp comedy. It's got Emma Stone's breakout role, and but Seth Rogen in it is stupid. The cops are stupid. It's just a stupid movie. It's a stupid movie that to me doesn't generate any comedy. Like, again, a lot of people are gonna disagree with me. I totally understand that. But this is one of those movies where it's just ridiculously stupid. Right. I think it is one of those movies that may hold up um, with, with the particular age group that it's, you know, um, trying to, to win. But yeah, as far as the age group, if, if you're older, you're just not going to get it anymore. So yeah, I, mean, I, I agree could, with you. I could argue like out of all the R-rated Judd Apatovian movies that he produced or directed, I probably think Pineapple Express is a, is a more stupid movie where people would like that movie. I think that movie is just ridiculously stupid. So I'd actually put that higher mm -hmm. on Emperor Has No Clothes. This movie is so stupid. I don't get it. Or the movie that I really think, you know what? Let me take out Superbad because Superbad does have a modicum of humor. This is the end of the world. Have you ever seen that movie? I believe no, I have so not. It's it's the same characters. It's gonna be Franco, it's gonna be Rogan and Danny McBride. I, I do not like these guys, by the yes, way. Yes, I don't yes. think they're very funny. Well, this movie was at the peak of their of their kind of popularity, and the movie is essentially the end of the world. They go to this party. Then the world is ending. Demons are coming, killing everybody. Emma Watson makes a cameo. And it's such a stupid movie. And again, amongst the people who like these kind of Judd Apatow movies, and I like a lot of his movies that he either produced or directed, 40-Year-Old Virgin, Anchorman, you know, he, he, he has a talent for these. But this movie was just so okay. insanely stupid. So that's my number nine. I'm not a huge Apatow fan. Um, but to move on yes. uh, to number eight, um, I have to slam a Tim Burton film. Go um, ahead and slam Beetle all of them. Juice. I can't stand him. I think he's way overrated. Uh, Beetlejuice of 1988 because Ooh. it was so popular. Yeah. It was so popular at the time. Yeah. Um, you have Alec Baldwin, you have uh, Winona Ryder, yeah. uh, you have Gina Davis. 
Right. You have all of these. Oh, you have Michael Keaton, of course, too, yeah. who is so freaking annoying, I thought, throughout the film. But it's also quite depressing because, you know, they're ghosts or he's a ghost or something. And they're all they're in, you know, they're not they're part of the afterlife, pretty much. So I just think it's a depressed film for something that's supposed to be a comedy. And I've never enjoyed it really that much. That whole yeah. scene where they have the uh, uh, breakfast or dinner, and then they start playing that song by Harry Belafonte. Yeah, whatever. It's not. Yeah. It's not a big deal. So this movie came out when we were teenagers, and it was a big deal. Tim Burton, of course, was up and coming at this time, and I agree. I mean, I've never really found this movie to be interesting at all, and I think Tim Burton is an acquired taste. And if you look through his ove, he's one of those polarizing guys. A lot of people think he is visually stunning and ahead of his time. And I've just never connected with his movies. Most of them. Yeah. I'm just not interested much. in his movies. I'm maybe because I'm not goth, macabre, depressed, you know, like Winona Ryder's character in that movie. I've just never he also has uh, to be interested. Johnny Depp in a couple of his films too, yeah. but I just can't relate to either like Edward well, Scissorhands Charlie and the Chocolate the, Factory yeah I, yeah I, and then that one about the barber I guess yeah or, Sweeney Todd yeah yeah, yeah. I, I don't get it I yeah. just don't like it that's a hot take I agree with you Beetlejuice is not a movie like when you brought it up I totally forgot about it because again guys if you're listening there's going to be movies that you think are like this movie is so stupid that we don't mention remember this is 50 years of film so it's not like we've seen <laughs> every movie you've seen so these are just movies right. that come to our minds that are just so stupid and we don't get it. It's like, so for my rankings, it's like when I hear people like these movies, I just, I'd lose respect for them. And especially in my top five, which we'll do in the next episode, right. you'll you'll see. But look, you might lose respect for me because I'm saying that these movies are bad or because May says that Beetlejuice is a piece of crap. Maybe you'll lose respect for us. But that's the whole thing about these episodes. They're about hot takes and just being honest to ourselves. And I would agree. I think Beetlejuice is just uh, in almost all of Tim Burton's work, I I find to be just complete garbage. You know I mean, doing, I think just the whole premise of it. it yeah, I can't. You know, they're doing a sequel it. to this. Oh, they are. Yeah, Michael Keane's already been cast, and I think I I don't want to misquote this. Actually, you know, I'll do my number eight, and you can look it up. I think Jenny Ortega as cast. Oh my god! I think I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe look it up when I do my number eight. It's right. just such an annoying film, and I don't yeah. have any respect for it. So. All right, very good. My number eight is Field of Dreams. I love Kevin Costner. I think he's iconic. He goes through a great run in the late 80s, early 90s. Field of Dreams, to me, when he was doing back-to-back -back baseball movies, I think Bull Durham is so much more entertaining. It's cleverer. You got Peak Sarandon. You got the comedy in the movie and then the, the romance. In the movie, I remember seeing that movie when we were in high school. I, I, and you remember that time where they're having sex in the bathtub and the water brushes out the candles. And it's like, wow, this is so intense, all this sex scenes. And it's just an entertaining, great movie. Bull, uh, I'm sorry, Field of Dreams is just so saccharine, sentimental. You know, yeah. you remember like Ray Liotta plays uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson and mm -hmm. Morgan or um, James Earl Jones is in it. and and Amy Madigan's in it. And I just found the movie, even when it came out, but 
just since then, just it's a snore. It's a complete board. If you build it, they will come. And look, I get it. If you love baseball, you're going to love this movie. But to me, it's just over saccharine, sentimental Americana movie that is just boring. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of it either. So I agree with you on this one. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, compared to Bull Durham, it, you can't really compare the two, though. But um, I think Kevin Costner was trying to do something more serious, and it had to do with baseball for some reason. I don't know why again, but yeah. Well, you know, at the time, baseball is was America's sport. And I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I just think it's the execution of the movie. Like, it's intentionally supposed to evoke an emotion from you. And I hate movies that are over-intentionally sentimental to evoke an emotion. Another movie I've, I've mentioned in the past that does this is Mr. Holland's Opus. This is why I can't stand that movie. Forrest Gump, which I don't have on my list, but is definitely honorable mention is a movie that at the time when it came out, I thought it was fine. But the more you watch, you just think this is a manipulative movie that is over sentimental. And then I have another movie coming up that I think is just emotionally, sentimentally manipulative. This one for me, my number seven is not really emotionally um, manipulative, but it is religiously manipulative and it is dogma. Ah, 1999. Okay. And it was very popular at the time, but not it's, so much anymore, I guess. It's but, Kevin Smith's most grossing, most commercial successful movie. Yeah, for sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. That's not saying that, a lot, though. That doesn't most say of, a whole lot. Yeah, exactly. Most of his movies really, don't do well. This sucks, because look at Ben Affleck. He's playing an angel, I think. And then um, Matt Damon is in it. And then you have Alanis Morissette as God. Why don't I mean, you like the movie? I just don't like it. I just thought it was one of those scripts that was so fake. Everybody's so fast talking and like so erudite. Everybody in the film is supposed to be the same, talking at the same pace like that. It just really annoys me. So no. I remember that movie came out when we were in. in 1999. Yeah, early 20s. And at the time, I mean, we should really do a series on Kevin Smith because at the time, like a lot of guys in their late teens, early 20s, I liked Kevin Smith movies, but I think you reach a certain age where you have to outgrow them. He just did Clerks 3 that came out. At yeah. the but Dogma, I wanted to like, because again, it had Chris Rock. It had, of course, Affleck and Damon, and it had Salma Hayek, and it had George Carlin, and it had a bunch of people in it. And the movie was typical Kevin Smith, you know, the, the, the dialogue, as you mentioned. The reason I had problems with it, because any self-respecting Christian should not like that movie. It is... As the as the the name would suggest, well, it's very a it's a very blasphemous movie. And at the time, sure. the churches the churches boycotted this movie uh, because of that. But of course, that would just make more people go see the movie. But I mean, I, I have not seen the movie in at least ten years, uh, and I wouldn't go see it again because I, I find it's, it to be intentionally iconoclastic. And I just yeah. yeah, it's the ultimate Gen X rebel type movie. You know, rebelling against a particular religion i guess um sure. so yeah i just i don't it doesn't hold up for me and i don't know why people still put it up on a pedestal some of them do going back to beetlejuice too so yes jenny ortega is in it and winona Ryder is in it as well so she's reprising her role i don't want to see it so maybe jenny ortega is going to be her daughter 
I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm making the guess there. It would right. be cool if Alec Baldwin won. Yeah. yeah. You know how I feel about Alec Baldwin. Okay. So my number <laughs> six, or my, I'm sorry, my number seven is going to be the notebook. I find the notebook. Oh my gosh. The, the, the notebook based on, of course, Nicholas Sparks' novel, and they and, and there was a time maybe in the early knots or mid knots, mid to late knots, that every Nicholas Sparks novel was being adapted to a movie. Safe Haven, you know, there's so many of these, but the notebook was the 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 first one that was commercially successful. This, of course, is Richard McAdams' breakout, really breakout role, Ryan Gosling, and they were dating during this movie, and I just find the movie to be. I guess I could really say this about the novel because it's based on the novel. I just like the whole thing where, you know, she's got Alzheimer's, she's got dementia, and, and then they die together at the end. And I can understand why women love this movie because it's Gosling. And, you know, I, I don't think he's that sexy, to be honest, but whatever, I'm not a woman. And I can understand why they would like it because it's that super romantic movie where she, she loved this guy, but he was poor. And then, you know, he comes back and works hard on the house and she's engaged, but she's got to follow her true heart. And then they had that very R-rated sex scene in this movie. I remember when it came out, people are like, this can't be PG-13. You remember the sex scene where they, they, it's raining and they go up to the bedroom and it was very graphic. And I, I'm one of the few people who have not seen it in full, so. Okay, I, well. The movie I find to be, so they end up together at the end. I'm not going to spoil it because I mean, it's at least 15 years old, but she ends up having dementia. And so he's telling the story back to her as the, she's dying of dementia, like how they met because she, he, he needs to keep reminding her because she's got dementia. And so similar to Field of Dreams and Holland's Opus and other movies, I just felt it to be very manipulative and overly saccharine, but the movie is well-loved. And also, I, I just don't think the movie is that well-made. I think Nick Cassavetes yeah. did it. And I just don't find the movie to be that well-made. And I'm just not a big fan of that movie at all. Okay. What's your well, number, my number My number six, it was considered a cult classic now, but I just do not like the film. And it's a Darren Aronofsky film back in 1998 called Pi. Okay, what's it about? Is this it's the about you know a mathematician who basically goes crazy trying to find the the key number to all the the I guess universal. This has got Paltrow in it, right? Is she in this movie? I don't think she is, but there's a lot of unknown people in it, and I he ends up going crazy and all this, and it gets violent, and it, it you know it's it's just. It, it's not very impressive, especially for a Darren Aronofsky film. <laughs> so, and, and he is—he's always trying to delve into all these, you know, metaphysical type questions about the universe and everything, and it, it just—it falls apart for me. So, and I do think it—it it shouldn't really be as revered as it is. So that's why I'm dumping on it. All right, I can't comment on it, so we'll just move on here. So my number six is going to be La La Land. La La Land is a beloved movie. We know uh, well. Damien Chazelle directed it after after Whiplash, and this movie almost won the Academy Award. And who was it? Was it? It was Warren Beatty, right? Wasn't it Beatty who misread the Academy Award? Uh, yes. At the show? 
Yeah. Yeah. Here's my issue with with La La Land. I I think La La Land. If you look at La La Land as just a romantic comedy, in the same kind of world that you would have the typical like McConaughey, Kate Hudson rom com, it's fine. But the fact that it got so much love, Gosling's nominated, Emma Stone wins for this movie. And the movie is nominated for Best Picture. We talked about it in Overrated, the 2010s, how the 2010s have just made so many poor choices in terms of who won the Academy Award. The fact that it that it almost won the Academy Award and Emma Stone won that Oscar for this movie is why I, I don't like this movie. Because A, it is just simply a rom-com if you take away the music part. And B, the songs are not good. The songs yeah. are not good in this movie. And anytime I watch La La Land, I fast forward through the songs. They're just a waste of time. There's not, and look, I'm not saying there aren't good snippets in this movie or there aren't scenes where they do crackle. You know, this is the follow up to Crazy Stupid Love where they first had good, good chemistry. And I would argue they probably have better chemistry in that movie than in La La Land. But La La yeah. Land to me is just such a, it, it's over saccharine and it's overrated. And if it would have won Best Picture to me, it would have been worse than like Shakespeare and love winning over um, Saving Private Ryan, even though who who won over La La Land? Was it Green Book? No, no, it was Moonlight. Moonlight, or... yeah, it was one of the, the African-American movies, which I, can, I, I can't say that I saw that movie, but I was glad that La La didn't win because I remember it was like, you've got to see La La Land. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I watched, I'm like, this is a like C-level rom-com with music. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I do not like this film at all. Um, it's totally overrated because of Emma Stone and her Oscar. And, you know, I, I just, and the fact that Warren Beatty had to make that stupid faux pas of his um, and give it to them. And then finally they had to, you know, wrangle them out of there. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a musical. And it's it's a very bad musical too, in my opinion. But so. at the time, like Chazelle, who I respect, I have an episode here on Babylon. I think Babylon is a brilliant movie that just needed to be edited. And I, you know how I feel about Whiplash. That's one of the movies I love I've done here. I think he's very gifted. I just think the problem with this movie is that it was so loved. And it's like when you go into a movie knowing everybody loves it, you have excessive expectations. And it was kind of you, like that with Phantom and Menace. You, you also want to root against it too. Well, I, I didn't want to root against this because I like yes. Emma Stone and I like Gosling and I like Chazelle going into it. But it was kind of like when Phantom Menace came out, the first prequel. You know, you have such high hopes and you know everybody, it, 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 it's got high hopes and you go in and you're like, oh God. And it's not like I don't like La La Land. I will watch it if it's streaming for free uh, because, you know, Emma Stone is winning in it and she's beautiful in it. But just their 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 romance, it's not. I don't want to say it's believable. You know, she's an aspiring actress, and he's a jazz pianist, and he wants to bring back jazz, and she's struggling to to get the big break. And then there's that scene at the end where you remember she's on tape, and it's after they break up, and he drives her back for the audition, and we're supposed to watch this five minute scene where we're supposed to see that Emma Stone is amazing, so the casting agents see that she's amazing, and then she ends up being this very famous actress. And so when I'm watching this scene that we're supposed to believe that she's an amazing actress and this is her scene, I'm like watching this and I'm like, no, that's just, that's not. Yeah, I, yeah. I, don't, 
don't know. We're in the minority. Most people love La La Land. And some people don't like it. I know people close in my life who don't like this movie simply because Gosling and Emma Stone don't end up together. I don't have a problem with that. You know, I love 500 Days of Summer and, and the two protagonists in that movie don't end up together. Yeah, and I actually think that, that the scene at the very end where they, they play his piece, remember Emma Stone and, his, and her husband go to the jazz bar and they don't know that it's his jazz bar. And they both have like this flashback of what their life would be like had they stayed together and how they would have had a child together and all these, and it's it's playing his music. And I think anybody who's been in a relationship with somebody where it didn't work out and you ended up with somebody else or they ended up with somebody else, I think that scene is very touching and moving because it's exceedingly universally relatable because everyone can feel that. I don't have a problem with that part where they just give each other that look at the end of the movie. I just find that the problem with me is simply that the songs aren't good. The acting is average and it's just an average movie. I pretty much agree with you on that. Yeah, I do. Right. And I just, I don't, it, it's gotten too much love, I think. Yeah. From the public. Yeah. I mean, yeah, look, it shouldn't have been nominated for Best Picture and it shouldn't have, have even gone close to winning Best Picture. It's an averagely fine movie. I would rather watch Crazy Stupid Love over La La Land any, any day. Mm -hmm. I think it's a better movie. All right, guys. We did our first part of movies where people love and we're like, what? I think part two, which we have our top five, I think will be, you're going to hate some of our answers here. Because I look on my list, I'm really attacking some iconic movies that you might like. But we'll see. So, May, I appreciate you coming on. Sure. No problem. Greg. Until next time. Okay. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.